The definition of easy for an early Bitcoiner cypherpunk is much different than the definition of easy for somebody who's just getting started with Bitcoin. Hello there from Bedford in the UK, the Bitcoin mecca of the world. How are you all? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Kraken, the best place to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and today I've got an interview with Casa CEO Nick Newman and CTO and WBD regular Jameson Lopp to discuss securing your Bitcoin. But before that, I do have a message from my show sponsors. And for full transparency, Casa are a sponsor as well. So you should know that. Anyway, first up, I welcome back Least Authority as a sponsor of the podcast. Now, this is definitely for all you techies out there, the people out there who are building and creating applications. Now, Least Authority is a security consulting company who are pushing the limits on how to build privacy-respecting solutions. They specialize in security audits, design specification reviews, security by design, and so much more. And they can help you improve the security of your wallet application, key management solution, layer 2 protocol, P2P network design, use of cryptography, and so much more. If you want to boost your security strategy, well, you can arrange a no-obligation call to find out how Least Authority can help you on your next project. Just head over to their website and hit the schedule a call button, which is at leastauthority.com, which is L-E-A-S-T-A-U-T-H-O-R-I-T-Y.com. Now let's talk about my other sponsor, Sportsbet.io, who are the best place for online gaming. And now the Premier League is back, as well as other European leagues. It was great. What a great first weekend. Liverpool won. Tottenham lost. Could you want anything more? Perhaps a little wager on the game. Perhaps you put a little bit of Bitcoin on that result for Liverpool to win and Tottenham to lose. You made a little bit more Bitcoin. Now, a great thing that's happening with Sportsbet this season is they are the main club sponsor for Southampton. They have put a Bitcoin logo on the front of the shirt. So if you're there watching Premier League football and you see Southampton, you can see that the Bitcoin logo is out there. What an amazing company. They love Bitcoin. They do so much for Bitcoin and they are the best place online gaming. If you want to find out more, head over to sportsbet.io, which is S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T dot I-O. Also, the subject of today's show, Casa, the best in Bitcoin security. Now with Casa, it could not be easier to protect your Bitcoin from hackers, personal mistakes, in-person attacks, device failure and so much more. And me being the type of person I am. I'm definitely vulnerable to those type of mistakes. So I'm glad to be a customer. I am a Casa Platinum customer. But whatever type of Bitcoiner you are, they have a product for you. With Casa Gold, you get triple the security of a hardware wallet for only $10 a month. With Casa Platinum, you get their 3 of 5 multi-sig, the best protection for large Bitcoin holders, and that comes at a great price. And with Casa Diamond, you get their full service offering. This includes a customized personal security review, inheritance planning, and of course, their best-in-class security. There is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security and get total peace of mind. And you can find out more about this at keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. Okay, now on to the show. And I am joined by Nick Newman and Jameson Lott. They are the CEO and CTO of Casa. And you all have heard Jameson on the show a bunch of times talking about security. So this is one I've been looking forward to doing for a while, you know, properly securing your Bitcoin. It's not always that easy. For someone like me, it was always an eagle in the back of my mind that I might fuck something up and end up losing my Bitcoin. And look, firstly, in full transparency, look, unless you uh, skip the ads, you would have heard that Cars are a sponsor. So you would have heard them in the intro. And I just should probably say that I'm also a paying customer of theirs. So about the last 12 months, I was like a little bit concerned about my single wallet solution with my backup key hidden away somewhere securely. Look, I knew there was a potential for mistakes and I knew there was like potential of hacks and, you know, in-person kind of attacks. And I was really worried about this. So I reached out to Jameson and said, look, I think it's about time I I look at Casa. And then Nick got in touch. He said, well, Pete, we've been thinking about a sponsorship. Let let us give you a solution. You can try it out and then that'll be helpful for the sponsorship. And I was like, no, I'm going to pay for this. Look, and the reason I pay for it is because I'm pretty much a customer of all my sponsors, uh, Kraken I use as an exchange, BlockFi I'm a customer, Sportsbet I'm a customer. I'm a customer with all these people. So I wanted to know if it's worth the value, if it's worth the cost. So I paid, and yeah, look, it is. I definitely will be renewing next year. But look, you need to hear that because otherwise this show might sound like a bit of a, an advertorial. But yeah, since setting up my Casa Multisig, I've had so much peace of mind that my security is protected mainly from my own stupid mistakes, but like all these other scenarios. So I hope you enjoy the show. If you've got any questions about it, you know you can reach out to me. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. I do pretty much reply to anyone. Outside of that, 
reviews. I'm kind of chasing down reviews at the moment. Head over to iTunes, leave me a review. That's super helpful. Outside of that, go and check out my other show, Defiance. I've got this four-parter about the ghost inside this metal band. Honestly, the reviews have been amazing. Everyone who's listened to it has loved it. Definitely go and check that out. Outside of that, have a great week, and I'll see you all soon. Right, here we go. Welcome to the show, Nick. You haven't been on before. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks for having me on, Peter. No, not a problem. Good to see you again, Lop. It's been a while, mate. We we used to do this quite regularly. So last time I did this with you, I was in Lubbock, Texas. <laughs> I've lost count of how many times uh, we've recorded something at this point. <laughs> You've done a few. The first one was like well, nearly three years ago now. So uh, yeah, anyway, welcome to the show. Um, we have uh, a ball run situation looking on, looking, looking like we might be in one. So yep. it is a perfect time to dive back in talk about security again remind everyone uh we'll cover a bunch of stuff we've covered before jameson um but uh, i think it's time to get back into that talk a bit about security and also nick it's just i think it's time for people to get to know you a bit i mean you're now the uh, ceo of casa how long has that been yeah it's been since about really since december of last year uh we announced it at the end of january this year and how's that been going for you great i mean we've been you know, the team is doing really well, the company is doing really well. And so, especially, you know, as we focus down on just security and making sure that we really were were focused as a team and as a company on providing the best security for Bitcoiners, that's really paid off in terms of people uh, understanding what CASA does. Yeah, I mean, I think some people were a bit disappointed on, you know, the node going, but I kind of understand why you did it, why you made the choice. So, but anyway, welcome, Nick. It's, you know, we've been getting to know each other over, probably since then, actually. I think we yeah. spoke about December, so it's been good to get to know you. Uh, yeah. yeah, let's get into let's get into the security stuff because, um, you know, I'm now a Casa customer. We're going to talk about that. We'll get into that, but let's let's cover some more of the security 101 stuff. And I, I know Jameson, we've done this before, but there are new listeners since we've done this before. The I think the show's probably doubled in size and. Some people don't take this as seriously as possible. So this is um, a good starting point, Jameson, is that privacy and security are are linked. They're two things you have to consider at the same time. So do you want to do you want to break down for people why privacy and security you have to think of them as one holistic exercise? Well, really, the question comes down to the attacker. You know, what are you trying to secure yourself against? And in order to try to minimize the attackers and the the range of different type of attacks that you have to worry about, a strong privacy model can help you there because you can essentially hide uh, from certain types of attackers. You know, if they're unable to easily find you, then that provides some security, you know, through obscurity, but um, the... The real issue, I think, with privacy is how complicated it is, and you know it's its own rabbit hole. So, at Casa, you know, we focus on security and usability, and privacy. I would say is like a, a secondary thing that is like a nice to have because it bolsters your security. But we have found that in general, it's it's easier to get people into a really strong security model. And then after that, we can try to you know make it even better by adding uh, various privacy enhancing techniques on top of it. It's just uh, privacy stuff tends to be a lot more work. You have to keep it in the front of your mind. Whereas with security, there's more stuff where you can just set it and forget it in many cases. Yeah, it's funny. Now I'm uh, I've never been particularly good on my privacy, but yeah, the kind of job I have, you have to be out there and talking to people and. I've just not been very good with it. And now I'm am a, this is going to sound like a, an advertorial for Carter, but now, now I have Carter. I actually, I give less of a fuck because I'm less worried. And so we can, we'll, we should talk about the product actually and why that is. Normally when we do these shows, Jameson, we normally go through all the privacy and security stuff outside of your Bitcoin first. But I think I want to start with Bitcoin this time. I want to, I want to dive in and then talk about things, other things people should do. So, would you say Bitcoiners are particularly at risk or have a specific type of risk they need to be prepared for? 
Well, there are a lot of the standard risks that anybody needs to worry about when it just comes to data or you know using the internet. Um, the internet in general is a huge you know privacy and security uh, nightmare, but the the real problem with Bitcoin and you know digital bearer assets is that they are a very tantalizing target for remote attackers. So essentially, it changes the risk reward ratio. Where uh, traditionally, if someone wanted to steal a lot of money from someone or an entity, you know they would have to physically go and coerce them. You know, rob a bank, rob a person, rob a business, whatever. And there's a lot of risk to doing that. There's a potentially high reward, but you're essentially putting your own life in danger. Whereas now when you can reach out and remotely hack someone and steal a small amount of information from them, these private keys, you can then transfer potentially huge sums of money in a matter of seconds. And the, the physical risk to the attacker is a lot lower. So this is something that, you know, as the world is changing, attackers are also uh, changing their own perspectives. They're testing out the different risk rewards in these new scenarios. And that's why for Bitcoiners, this is a very dynamic environment. The, uh, the new types of attacks that we're seeing, uh, they're constantly changing where, you know, education is a big part of this space and basically, you know, keeping our clients, keeping people in the ecosystem in general up to date with like what the latest, most sophisticated attacks are that they need to worry about. I know you have that GitHub page. Are you still maintaining that GitHub page? I'm technically maintaining it, though. On the bright side, there have not been many <laughs> physical attacks, uh, at least in 2020, that have happened. And you know, perhaps part of oh, that is due to the no lockdown. one's allowed out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one can go out. <laughs> well, no, because one of the other things I was going to ask is, I'm wondering, are you know, does anyone track the number of kind of like Bitcoin hacks? stolen Bitcoin, and, and are we seeing this trending down as people become more aware of security and people have better practices? Do you know if that goes on? There are a number of different articles and projects that have like timelines of, of Bitcoin and other crypto hacks in general. And it seems like in terms of Bitcoin as a unit of account, uh, you know, value being stolen, I think that's going down. But in terms of, you know, fiat value and total number of attacks against various exchanges and other entities, that seems to be continuing to creep up. And especially as we enter what looks like is going to be a bull run, the obvious implications of that is that it's going to get more attention from people who have never tried to pull off attacks in the crypto space before. So we should expect that we're going to see essentially new types of of black hat, you know, security researcher folks who are going to come in and they're going to experiment with new types of deception, new types of technical attacks. And as a result, it's only to be expected that we're going to see more and more amounts of value get stolen during the bull run. And then inevitably there will then be a sort of correction where the ecosystem absorbs the knowledge of, you know, all of the things that happened and, and sort of shores up its defenses. But, you know, this is a constant cat and mouse game. It's always going to keep ebbing and flowing. And, you know, as the amount of value on the line continues to increase, that is going to uh, continue to result in more um, novel types of attacks, especially attacks that cost more to pull off start to happen because once again, the reward will become even higher. So it will make sense to do costlier attacks. Uh, So, you know, some examples of that were just a recent one it looked like there was a 51% attack against OKX exchange with, uh, uh, it was Ethereum Classic. And from what I was reading, they just did a report. It looked like the attackers actually deposited like over a million dollars worth of Zcash into the OKX exchange before uh, using it to essentially launder and do a 51% attack of Ethereum Classic against the exchange. So they ended up getting their Zcash and their Ethereum Classic back and I think got over $5 million, which is a pretty good ROI. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, and the you know one thing to add on to that is that 
what makes the headlines is the big exchange hacks like last year, the Binance hack where there was mm-hmm. a bunch of Bitcoin lost. But what actually is is probably, especially as we get into a bull run and more new people come into the space, what's going to happen more is that people get fished and they their Coinbase account is stolen and emptied. And so there's actually more of a risk to individuals generally from things like phishing, SIM swapping, and just individual targeted attacks where an attacker can uh, get access to their exchange account and just suck the money off the exchange and it's gone forever. Right. Okay. Nick, what were you doing before Casa? Yeah. So before Casa, I was really working in finance. So I did, I did finance, which was uh, investment banking and private uh-huh. equity, kind of on the investing side. Then I went into uh, the startup world and was actually working at a travel tech company called Grab. That was when I fell down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, started right. getting involved with uh, Bitcoin and private key management and security. And um, so that's how I, I got involved with Casa. But how big was the learning curve when you joined Casa in terms of considerations for security and multi-sig? Like, how big a learning curve was it for you? Uh, it was, I mean, so I joined before we even had our product out, right? And so okay. um, I, before Casa, had already been working on some private key security and usability projects. And so I was relatively familiar with uh, private keys. And so I kind of was able to hit the ground running when I joined Casa with Jameson and Jeremy. And that was really, that was beneficial for me because I, before becoming CEO, I was head of product. So I was leading the launch of uh, what was then Keymaster, now the Casa app. So yeah, there wasn't a huge learning curve for me, but it is still a, a, you know, it's a complex topic and that's why Casa was created and is successful is because private keys are hard and we're just trying to make it easier. Yeah, that's a really interesting point on the easy side of things. I've got two experiences of multi-sig. There's yours and Unchained Capitals. And and no disrespect to Unchained. I love those guys. I love what they do. Uh, Big fan of Parker Lewis. But that was a very kind of manual process to set one up. I've got a, I don't know if you know, I've got a bet on the uh, election with American HODL. So we set that up in that. And and it's very cool, but I could not have done that on my own, right? And then I've obviously got experience to set up the castle. And the castle one is obviously very much designed for people like me who don't have to think about private keys. It's all just mm-hmm. kind of done for me. And it was one of those things, it's so funny, it's one of those things, there's always those things you always put off in life. You're like, I'll do it another day, I'll do it another day, just because it seems so so much. And now it's done. It was a, like it was a, it was a quite a, like relatively simple process to go through. The, the harder process wasn't actually setting it up. The harder process was like, where am I going to hide these? Where am I going to distribute mm-hmm. these keys? That was the, like the real challenge. And, yeah. and think and thinking through that. Yeah, and that's something that that's why we have the the client service side of our business is we we realize that people aren't thinking about security every day for their job like we are at Casa. And so by offering our client services, we can really help people benefit from our knowledge but not have to do all of the work themselves. So they've got somebody that they can talk to and ask like, Hey, where do you think I should put these keys? Can you help me think through that? And so the way we've built Casa really from the ground up is to make sure that we think from every angle about the security and then can build those best practices into our offering for our customers. So they don't have to think about it. And it's just, it's, we try to be as helpful as possible with with uh, their own security setup so that they can feel secure but not put in the hours and hours of work that it used to take. Well, security right. is, a, is a very personal thing. Um, there are a ton of decisions to be made, and each of those decisions has trade-offs uh, with you know the, the risks. And it's usually a trade-off of risk versus convenience that uh, you have to decide what you're comfortable with personally. Now, on the technical side, you know we get a, a fair amount of pushback from especially more technical folks or people who've been in the space a long time of, oh, multi-sig, I mean, that's just a standard part of the protocol. You know, anybody can set up multi-sig. And you know, they're correct in the sense that you know, we're not reinventing the wheel. Um, we're, we're not doing anything novel at a protocol level, really what we're doing and what you probably noticed with your own experience, you know, comparing and contrasting different interfaces is that CASA actually doesn't give you 
as many options. It's not a super advanced, you know, you have a hundred different things that you can tweak in the interface. And we believe that that's because one of our tenets is that simplicity and usability is actually a big part of security. Because the, I would say one of the big things that I learned during my time working at BitGo and seeing a couple of different incidents happen there is that you know, BitGo was a more advanced, like enterprise-based solution. There were a ton of different things you could configure with the setup. And inevitably, the various BitGo customers who did get hacked and lost money, it was always because of a decision that they made and how they configured things, how they were managing stuff on their end. It was never an issue of BitGo and BitGo's infrastructure getting compromised. So that's what kind of led me to the conclusion that, you know, we need to, to build the guide rails into the user experience to essentially eliminate a lot of those foot guns. Well, I know what I'm paying for. I bought UX and customer service off you. That's what I'm buying yeah. in my yeah. head. And actually, we should clear something up as well, Nick. You offered me the product for free, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I yeah. did because, you know, we were talking about the the sponsorship stuff and I figured it'd be good to get you to test it out. And you were like, hell no, I, I want to pay for this thing. <laughs> well, do, do you know what? I'll tell you why I did. I don't know if I told you at the time. The reason I did it is because it's an annual price, right? So I knew I wanted to know if I valued it next year. And I wouldn't know if I yeah. I valued it next year. Maybe maybe yeah. I can just twist your arm next year and have it for free. But I wanted to know if I value, valued it, so I wanted to wanted to pay for it. And I also wanted to know which one I wanted to pay for because the diamond was just like a bit too expensive for me. But but I I wanted to pay for it. But I know what I'm paying for is I'm paying for the interface, the UX of what it does, which is brutally simple. And by the way, it looks good, which is rare for Bitcoin. Um, yeah. But also is um, I'm also paying for the customer service, like helping me kind of like get it set up, make sure I just make some correct decisions. Um, and I've like, I've been waxing lyrical about Casa since because now I've done it. Now I've gone through that process. I've distributed the keys. I've set it up. I have that total peace of mind now. I've got that kind of like, oh, that, that wasn't hard. That was actually quite easy. But, but I'm a message, James, on your end. It, it isn't easy, right, what you've done to do. There's a lot of complexity. Uh, under the hood, there's a lot going on that is very complex. And so that's why it's, you know, it, it's taken a lot of work to actually make this a very easy solution for people to use. And so it, it's something that I think is is not easy to for other people to copy. That's, um, that's where the value comes in, though. Like we've had some really OG advanced Bitcoin adopters come to us who had actually replicated a decent amount of the same setup that we offer, but they just weren't comfortable with the amount of maintenance that was required to stay on top of everything and, you know, con continue to make sure that uh, the, what they had set up was still, you know, up to date and working. And, you know, just little things like building, you know, cryptographic health checks uh, easily into the app to make sure that your, your keys are still working. Uh, I think it's things like that that become valuable and are fairly difficult to replicate on your own unless you're a software developer. Well, yeah, but I just I just want easy buttons. I just like just want to press that button, and that's yeah. it. It's like it's really it's a bit like when I tried to use Sam Samurai. Is it Samurai Wallet that has a coin join? Yeah, like yeah, it had too many options. It was like you know you had um, anonymity sets. I was like, well, I don't know what that means, and just all these options. I just wanted like a one button that said like coin join. <laughs> just make coin me join anonymous. <laughs> yeah, make me anonymous. Wander my coins. money. <laughs> yeah, no, Jameson, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's the but that's where we're really trying to sit as a product, <laughs> right? Is yeah, we think that people aren't going to, you know, holding your own private keys is super important for the success of Bitcoin generally. But the average person isn't going to do that unless you make it easy for them to mm -hmm. do. And the the definition of easy for an early Bitcoiner cypherpunk is much different than the definition of easy for somebody who's just getting started with Bitcoin. And so we, we think this is a, a really critical spot that we're sitting in as a company to help bring more people into Bitcoin and give them mm -hmm. the best practices from day one. All right. Well, listen, look, I want as many people to sign up as possible, not just because you're a sponsor, but I just think it's, it's prudent and it's sensible right now. So let's, but let's go back a step. Not everyone 
will fully understand what we're talking about. Let's let's keep it basic because you know I like to do this for my audience. Jameson, can you just explain to people what multi-seek actually means? Because I'll be honest, I kind of had an idea in my head, but I didn't know fully what it meant before I, you know, before I actually set up with you guys. Explain to people what multi-signature is. I will not explain it to you at a technical level, but no, instead do will give you a nice analogy of uh, anyone who is familiar with, say, a safety deposit box at a bank. Uh, you, you know that they give you a key to that safety deposit box, but it's not just you go into the bank, you insert the key and turn it. There's actually two different keyholes in that safety deposit box. And one of those keys is held by an employee you know, at the bank. So... This is essentially a you know, multi-signature operation that's required. You have to have you know, two different authorized key holders that sign off on opening that uh, safety deposit box. It's really the same thing, but at a cryptographic level in the Bitcoin protocol, where we're saying that when we, we put Bitcoin into a certain address, into a certain cryptographically redeemable script that locks it up, that in order to unlock that money and spend it, you need more than one key to, to sign off on it. And with Casa, we have a couple of different technical setups, but our, our flagship offering is a three out of five multi-sig, which means there's five different keys. They get distributed around a diverse set of locations and are stored on a diverse set of hardware and software. And if you want to spend from that vault you actually have to get three of those different devices and plug them in and add the cryptographic signatures before you have a Bitcoin transaction that will be accepted as valid by the network. Okay, so that's still technical in some ways. like Because so, this was the thing I didn't know before I used it. I was like, okay, I understand it's a multi-sig, but like, how do I actually, if I actually want to move Bitcoin, what do I, like I know now, so I'm going to let you explain it though, but what do I physically, like what is the process I go through with a multi-seed? Because I think a lot of people listening will certainly have, as a minimum, they would have had Bitcoin on exchange and hopefully moved it off, moved, moved it into a hardware wallet, right? So they'll be used to that process of doing that. And they'll also be used to that process of maybe moving it from a hardware wallet back to an exchange. So they'll be used to that process of of creating a, a transaction um, but most of the time, when you do that, you're just pressing buttons on a ledger or or a, or a um, trezor. You don't actually realize yourself you're signing something in your head. But when right, we talk right. about multi-seek, we say you've got to sign three. So, like in layman's terms, tell people the process they go through. So it's basically like sign. Think of signing as approving. So when you yeah. send from your ledger, you're saying I approve this money to be sent to Coinbase or wherever you're sending it. And so to do that, you're plugging your ledger into your computer, pressing a few buttons, and then the transaction goes off to the Bitcoin network. With Casa, what you're doing is instead of you know doing it all on the ledger, you've got a mobile app and the mobile app lets you type in, I'm sending you know $5,000 worth of Bitcoin to Coinbase. And then you are saying, start. And so after you hit start is when you start approving it from your hardware wallets. So first you'll approve it from your phone, which happens automatically after face ID. And then you'll approve it from a second hardware wallet. Maybe it's a Trezor, maybe it's a Ledger. And all that requires is plugging your Trezor into your computer and hitting a few buttons. It's just as easy as if you're using, I actually think it's easier than if you're using their interfaces, the Trezor Ledger interfaces. And then you're doing that a third time with a third device. And then after that, it, the transaction goes and it, because it's been approved by three devices. So the key here, though, is like what this does is that it means that if from the from one hand, if you have your ledger stolen, for example, and somebody knows the pin, they could just use that to steal your money. Well, with this, if one of your keys gets stolen, they can't do anything with it. They need other keys in order to actually steal any funds from you. But more importantly, what and what people really discount is the risk of loss. So since you've got five total keys, but you only need three of them to send funds, 
you have a room for error. You have margin for error. So we're all humans and we're all going to make mistakes. And previously, private keys have all been about make sure you protect this one key with your life or else you're screwed. Well, Casa is built so that it's okay if you lose one of your keys, you've got the other keys to back you up. And so that gives people a lot more peace of mind and a lot more room for error because you're going to make a mistake, but it's okay. Um, so that's really the, that's how things work. And that's why it's built the way it is. Well, we should probably say also, like, so people know if you lose one, you can swap it out. So yeah. You, you just swap it out for a, out. you swap it out for a new one, but you've got the other keys remaining to actually, you know, help recover those funds. Let, let me tell you what really fucked with my head for, for, to begin with. So when I first set it up, there was a moment where I had to just take a little walk and work it out in my head. Like I knew what he was saying was correct, was the fact that I, strictly speaking, you don't need to back up your private keys. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. That's the other piece that's kind of magical here, right? Is because yeah. people- But I screwed with my head, right? Can I tell you why? Because I always, I've told Jameson about this. I, always, I have this little Jameson that sits on my shoulder sometimes and says, Pete, don't fucking do that. Don't do that. <laughs> You're going to fuck up. And one thing that's been on the back of my mind is like, for a long time, my Bitcoin was on a single hardware wallet and the key was backed up, right? And- I don't mind talking about it now because it's, it's, I don't use it anymore. It was backed up on a piece of paper hidden in the house, right? Okay. And very and secure was, against an evil maid attack. Well, no, no. So, 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 and then, yeah, but I, they would never have found this. And then, so I was at that point, I was thinking, right, I need to like, like write it down in two places, distribute it. But then, like, I was thinking about the house burning down. And I just kept thinking where I need to put that private key. But I went through the setup for Casa. And the guy who's helped me set up, he said, Yeah, you don't need to write down the private keys. I was like, What? What would you mean? Like, what if I lose the. This is, this goes against everything I've been taught. Yeah. But it's, it goes against everything you've been taught as a Bitcoiner. But think yeah. about it from the flip side of people who are not Bitcoiners. It goes against everything they are used to, to have to write down this random 24-word phrase on a piece of paper. Don't put it on your computer. Can't be on a connected internet-connected device. Put it on a piece of paper and hide it somewhere safe. Well, who knows what somewhere safe means? So we're trying to build this in a way that you don't have to worry about those seed phrases because this makes it much more accessible to the average person as they're coming into Bitcoin. I have a lengthy blog post about our thoughts around what we call seedless uh, setups. But suffice to say that there are some backups of some keys. Uh, We automatically encrypt and back up your mobile key in a Mm -hmm. way that you don't have to worry about that getting hacked off of, you know, a cloud storage. We also, of course, have backups of the Casa recovery key. And so then there are some, you know, individuals who think through the extreme scenario of, okay, well, what if all three of my hardware devices got destroyed simultaneously? What would I do then? Well, in that case, if that's something that you're worried about, we would recommend, you know, you could uh, back up one of your hardware device seed phrases on some metal or something and throw it in uh, maybe a safety deposit box that is extremely physically secure. Because then, you know, even if that one seed phrase got compromised by an attacker they wouldn't be able to do anything you've got to really you've got to really try hard to fuck this up yeah and that's the goal right put in the rails to make it really hard to mess up yeah i mean i wouldn't i don't think i would want to go back down to the two or three because of this because with the two or three there's a you know it's better than having one wallet right one hardware wallet but like there's just a bit more room for error just yeah. a tiny bit more room for us. So personally, I wouldn't I wouldn't go back to that. Let me ask you something, Jameson. So the one thing I worry about since this, I was like, okay, what if Casa screw up? What if they get there's like a like a bug that goes into the app? And could a bug go into the app that means like I end up locking away all my Bitcoin? Is it is that a possibility? Yeah, you know, um this is one thing that scares me a lot when I think about Bitcoin and single sig wallets, because every time that you're spending Bitcoin, every time you create a transaction, you're at a technical level, you're not just moving values on the blockchain. You're actually destroying your money and then recreating it. You're consuming it with inputs and then you're creating new outputs and 
you know, essentially unlocking scripts and then creating new locking scripts. And so there's a lot of things that can go wrong there. Uh, you could potentially screw up the fee and like send all of your money to the miners. Uh, if you, you know, miscalculate the, the inputs and output values, you could screw up the, the locking scripts and unintentionally lock yourself out of your own money. There's, there's a lot of room for error. And one of the reasons why multi-sig is great that not many people understand, especially multi-sig using different hardware devices, is that if something like that happened in the CASA software, you would have to manually approve it multiple times on non-CASA software and non-CASA hardware. So the you know once again, the diversity of the setup uh, helps protect uh, against even CASA screwing up. So really one of the fundamental things that we keep in mind when we're making architectural and design decisions is eliminating single points of failure. And that includes CASA as a company. We don't want a you know single human mistake on our end to be able to cause catastrophic issues. We don't want even the company as a single entity, if say it ceased to exist for some reason, to cause catastrophic issues for our customers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one thing that we've built, we've, we've had this for two years now since we built the product is because it, it comes with the way that everything was created, how multi-sig is part of the Bitcoin protocol, is that you can actually recreate your entire CASA multi-sig using other software like Electrum. And so you can, <laughs> Me? you're not going to do that. You, no, sorry. I'm going to phone up Jameson and say, Jameson, come yeah. on, man. <laughs> So, so the, the point, though, is that like you can fully verify that everything is working properly in the CASA software with a completely different set of software. And so that helps people, you know, get a, a better uh, comfort around the fact that there isn't an issue with the CASA software itself. And usually we'll have we'll have clients that'll do that. And and after they set that up, they'll they'll be like, wow. I now fully understand everything that you guys are doing under the hood and am blown away by the amount of complexity that you've taken out of the product. But that is important yeah. because it means that if CASA were to ever go away, suddenly drop off the face of the earth with no warning, you you could actually fully recover all of your funds using a completely different set of software. Yeah, I'd be worried about that with me, but uh, luckily I know Jemison. I can phone him up. Yep. Okay, so one other thing. So I've removed all my single personal single points of failure because that's the thing I always worried about. It's just me being a moron and screwing this up. The one thing I haven't solved yet, and I don't have that. I can't afford your diamond product yet. So, but I've never solved the inheritance point. So I've solved my single point of failure myself. But so I don't actually know how your inheritance product works. Can you explain that? Just so. Yeah. Yeah, so the way that our inheritance product works is, is we build our inheritance to work within the existing estate uh, transfer legal system. So you actually, this takes a ton of hands-on work from the CASA client services team, which is why it's only available for diamond level. Right, okay. But we actually change your multi-sig to have six total keys. And one of those is held by your estate lawyer. And so that means that after you pass away, at least three of the six keys are accessible through the legal process. So that's, you know, after you pass away, you need a court order that says, yes, this person passed away. Here's the death certificate. And then the state lawyer can approve a transaction with their key. CASA can approve a transaction with our key. And then your third key, which is held in a safety deposit box, can be accessed with that court order. So it's, it does require a more specific setup. And so yeah, yeah. Uh, this is all built into the existing, like to work with the existing legal system. One of the things yeah. that we're thinking about is, like you said, inheritance is still a problem for people who are at our gold or platinum levels, but it takes so much time from yeah. the CASA client services team and the, the setup is so robust that it really has to be at the diamond level for our current inheritance offering. Mm-hmm. But we're working on something that'll be available for platinum and gold that'll help them you know maybe it won't be quite as as strong a solution as a diamond but we really can still help them have some way to pass on assets to their to their heirs after they pass away i definitely need something i've not solved that and i need to think about it because otherwise i think they're going to be i mean i could leave one with a relative and they can just hold the phone over my dead face 
<laughs> to approve it on my phone. All right, cool. Brilliant. This sounds like such an advertorial, but I don't care because I think people really need, I really think people should be looking at this. Next up, I talk to Nick and Jameson more about securing your Bitcoin. But before that, I have a message from my amazing sponsors who I love very much. So firstly, the mighty, mighty Kraken, the only place I go for buying and selling Bitcoin, my favorite place for buying and selling Bitcoin. But you know what? Being as this show is about security, it's important to use an exchange which has their security shit together. And they are consistently rated the best and most secure cryptocurrency exchange. And also, they have world-class customer support. If you've got any issue, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, you reach out to Kraken, they're going to get back to you. And if you want to start trading Bitcoin, they have the best suite of tools out there. Whatever your level of experience, if you head over to Kraken.com, it could not be easier for you to sign up and start trading Bitcoin. They also have this beautiful mobile first app so you can buy Bitcoin on the go. And with their margin trading, futures and OTC desk, Crack really does have every option covered for you. There is no better place to trade Bitcoin. You can find out more at Kraken.com or you can download the app. It's available for the iPhone and Android. Just search for Kraken Pro, which is K-R-A-K-E-N-P-R-O. Also, we have BlockFi, the future of Bitcoin and financial services. What a great year they're having. Absolutely smashing it on numbers. And they also raised another round. So with BlockFi... You can open up an interest account and start earning interest on your Bitcoin, and you can use your Bitcoin as collateral to take out a USD loan. You can also fund your BlockFi account directly from your Bitcoin wallet, and with the BlockFi mobile app, you can now fully manage your account on the go. They have got so much other cool shit coming this year, I cannot wait to tell you about it. If you're interested in checking BlockFi out, I recommend you do your own research, then head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. What what else are you working on? You got any other new cool products coming? Oh, you know, you just released something. We did. Yeah, so we yeah. we just released our buy Bitcoin feature. So this what, what lets you, you, you it doesn't work in the UK yet, right? Uh yeah, that's uh blame the UK, not Casa. <laughs> it, nothing nothing works in the UK. Every cool thing out there, you try the UK, it doesn't work. Yeah. Um so the the what buy Bitcoin is is it lets you buy Bitcoin through the Casa app and have it deposited directly to your cold storage. So okay. right now people are having to, you know, if they want to buy Bitcoin, they're going to Cash App or uh, Swan or Coinbase or one of the many other exchanges. And they're buying Bitcoin and it's sitting in a custodial wallet until they withdraw it to one of their, to more secure storage. But the problem with that is that a lot of people are worried about moving Bitcoin. They don't feel like they know how and they might lose it or they just are kind of lazy, honestly, and they don't ever move their Bitcoin off the exchange. So we've built this so that it's secure by default. It's automatically going to your secure storage so that you can really have an easy experience for buying Bitcoin, but still maintain that level of security that our, our customers love. Well, that makes sense. I I bought so I bought some Bitcoin the other day because I when MicroStrategy did their thing, I was like, right, I'm going to have more Bitcoin. Uh, like, so I moved some of the cash, the business cash, uh, into Bitcoin. and went fifty percent only. But yes, I went on the exchange and I bought it, and then I transferred it into my Castle wallet. So it would just yeah. make more sense to be able to do that directly. Yeah, why not? Why not cut that yeah. step out? You know, why do we? Why do we have to go through the exchange? The exchange is great for people that want to be active traders. But it's not really a good solution for somebody who's just stacking sats to hold for a really long time. And right. so that's that's where we come in. I mean, it depends on your fees, right? I'd have to check, have to check those out first. Yeah, so the, the fees, it, it really depends on what solution you're using, right? Like the the fees for a Apple Pay a debit card transaction are going to be a little bit higher because you're actually paying the card processing right, okay. fees. The other thing that's interesting is in that, it's just a little bit different than what people are used to is that since this is a real on-chain transaction going to your wallet, you do have to pay the mining fee as well. And so that's that's something that I think people aren't quite used to, but at least for me and you know the rest of the CASA team, that fee is worth paying to avoid going through a centralized exchange and taking mm. those extra steps. Have you partnered with someone for this? Like, is that yeah, public? we partnered with Wire. So it's uh ah, Michael Dunworth. Yeah, exactly. So, I know Michael. Have you have you yep. have you have you hung out with him? Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a character. He's a good he guy. Right. Yeah, I like Michael a lot. All right, yeah. can I can I tell you my wish list? Yes. I know you know, I don't know if Jameson knows this. So Jameson, tell me how hard this is. 
I really want to be able to have at minimum two, but like multiple wallets within my Casa. I tell you why, because I have business Bitcoin and personal Bitcoin. Yeah, and you're not alone. Uh, this is our most commonly uh, yeah. requested feature. I want it myself because I have several pools of Bitcoin. Like I have some that's in a retirement account that has to you know be completely separate. And yeah, this is totally doable. We have a few really low level architectural changes we want to make to stuff like derivation paths. Uh, to standardize on, on what, that before what? we... What's a derivation? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like I said, really low level architectural changes that we've got queued up over the coming months uh, before we can roll that out. But yeah, that is it is definitely high up on a lot of people's wish list, including mine. How big of a challenge is that? Um, you know, technically we, like, we could do it right now uh and you know probably have it out in a few weeks but that would make doing some other low-level migrations trickier which is why we're we're putting it behind a few other technical changes first so it's uh it's something that uh, we kind of have on our like technical debt cleanup list to do first right okay actually i think that's the only thing nick i spoke to you about this before was that the only thing i had on my wish list I think that was the only, the only thing the on thing, your wish yeah. list. You know, the rest of it, just... you said, this is the most amazing thing I've ever used in my life, right? <laughs> no, I did, though. I do like it. Now, I, I want to be able to name the wallets as well. Obviously, if I have multiple wallets, uh, I yeah. want to be, be able to name them. Um, but that's really it. I mean, it it does what it, like I say, I know this is going to sound like an advertorial because I'm waxing lyrical about it, but it does it so simply. But you must have other things you're working on. What else? Like you must have some things you want to do, Jameson. You've probably got a massive list. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been, you know, creating tasks for two years now. So we, we have. So this is the thing that, you know, when people come to us occasionally, say, you know, when are you going to add support for my favorite cryptocurrency? Then my common retort is, as soon as we're done with all of the Bitcoin improvements, and that like at this happen. rate, <laughs> it seems like it's going to take a while. Um, you know, because we're also trying to be forward thinking. Like we have other low level architectural changes that we want to make in order to be prepared for future Bitcoin protocol improvements, you know, uh, taproot hopefully sometime next year, which will then uh, support aggregated signatures, which will be a huge boon for Casa users and for any multi-sig users, both from the privacy standpoint and the like how much transaction fees you have to pay standpoint. So lots of, of work to do there. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to like spoil anything, but so, you know, suffice to say, the existing landscape of hardware devices has been fairly static uh, until recently. Um, you know, we 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 had a cold card. Yeah, has has been. I think one of the newer ones uh, that has been getting more adoption this year. We're starting to see other devices. I mean. Obviously, I haven't been to any conferences in like six months now, but when at the tail end of the my last run of conferences, I was seeing a lot of new uh, prototype devices that were coming out. And some of those were very exciting to me for a few different reasons, both on the technical like security side and on the usability side. So... You know, one of the things that we're always trying to continue to do is to simplify and improve the user experience. And I, I think that some of these new hardware devices will enable us to do that. Uh, up until now, it's actually been kind of a challenging environment to be working as a multi-vendor hardware platform because really I think a lot of these hardware vendors have been thinking of themselves as like a full vertical stack where you know right. they create the hardware wallet, they also create all the wallet software. And uh, there's been some friction there with the different uh, hardware companies just because they keep pushing out things, changing things, and sometimes it breaks right. our stuff. And I'm, I'm hoping that we can continue to mature this space to the point that, you know, we can find some equilibrium and have uh, some better, you know, communication that uh, these uh, device vendors start to see themselves as platforms that people are building a wide variety of uh, software on top of. You're not going to do the Casa hardware wallet, are you? Well, you know, we are we are not a hardware engineering company at the moment. You know, we won't say 
well, we would never do it, but we would certainly want to you know, bring on people with hardware expertise if we went down that path. But, you know, uh, from the hardware product that we had with the node for a while, we, we learned a lot about, you know, how different it is to, to manage and maintain, you know, and support uh, physical hardware. You know, there's so many more things that can mm. go wrong and it's a lot harder to get insight into what the hardware is doing when it's not in your possession. Actually, I don't know if I would want that. I'll be honest. I don't know if I'd want that because it's it's kind of like you're the you're like the gatekeeper, and I I work with three other kind of vendors. Yeah, yeah. It it, yeah. it kind of it, it that would reduce the diversity, right? That would kind yeah. of add more trust onto Casa if we were also creating the hardware devices. So I think earlier you're basically saying you're not going to support any other cryptocurrencies. Not anytime soon. Uh, you know, that's also something that can always change. Uh, you know, we're, it's basically, well, it's, it's building software, of course, but then, um, you know, if we were to, and, you know, we've spent a fair amount of time investigating and, you know, making decisions about this, especially uh, a year or two ago, where if it was, Adding, if we're talking about adding other cryptocurrencies into our like three of five multi-sig product, then you start getting this like Venn diagram of dependencies and requirements of now all the hardware devices have to support that, you know, whatever digital signature scheme they're using. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there have to be software libraries for interfacing with uh, the hardware devices and doing that and, and other software devices for Android and iOS. And mm-hmm. um, essentially it just... Uh, it's it get it becomes like less and less likely that you meet all of those requirements unless you're talking about maybe like Ethereum, you know, like uh, the really say, really popular ones. I can imagine Ethereum is the one you get asked for probably most, but yeah. When you think about like the what we're trying to do, we're trying to make the usability and security as high as possible. And so when you get into the complexity that Jameson was talking about with adding other currencies that work very differently than Bitcoin, you really have to be careful because the complexity just ratchets up significantly. Mm. And so as a security provider, we like to say that we'd rather be an inch wide and a mile deep than a mile wide and an inch deep. So we want to make sure that the security and the experience that we build is the absolute best. And we can do that by focusing on Bitcoin. What about what about Lightning? Is that something you guys have to consider at all? And does Lightning even have a multi-sig scenario? I mean, I'm way out of my. So Lightning, there, but... Lightning doesn't really have like the equivalent of multi-sig from a from a user-facing perspective. Like mm. you, you're not really dealing with that. But I think Lightning as a technology is very interesting. We did dip into that with the Casa node. And I think that it's been growing a lot. And so it's, it's an area that we're keeping an eye on. And when there's sufficient demand for us to actually like build something usable in that area, then we'll definitely do it. The, the, there's a lot of potential pass forward that could happen with Lightning. I mean, tech, at a you know, technical level right now, like a Lightning channel is a two of two multi-sig, but it's between you and someone else. It's not mm-hmm. a multi-sig from like your perspective of having to authorize, you know, multiple signatures yourself. Now there are possibilities in the future where we might see various types of like Lightning, almost coin join uh, style um, aggregated uh, signatures where there are you know a lot of different parties that are essentially sharing a lightning channel and and sending funds through it but um you know i don't think this is something that we need to worry about for at least like the next few years uh, and and really while like the lightning node product that we did uh you know it got a lot of traction and um i think a lot of people liked it we we realized you know one of the issues is that it was so cutting edge it was really um, engineering intensive just for us to keep up with the pace of the changes that were coming down from the lightning developers. So if we're talking about, you know, building a security product, we want to try to minimize uh, the you know, volatility at the technical levels just so, so that we can manage it and, you know, have a more stable platform. 
God, I'm trying. I'm thinking of ideas that I want as I go, and I'm wondering if whether this is a good idea. But like, you, don't you? You have another. I've not actually played with it. You do have a normal wallet, don't you? Like a normal. Have you ever thought of mixing them? So almost like in one app, I have like my vault, which is my multi-sig, my vault, my normal wallet, having them together. Yeah, that's what that's what you have right now. So I don't I don't know if you've actually never gone used over to. Yeah, so if you if you open it up, you can at the top of the the home screen, you can select between your multi-sig and uh, your normal wallet. Never even seen and that. Here. <laughs> yeah, your your normal wallet is super easy to use. We basically, you know, it's like using a, oh. a single signature wallet on your phone, but we've taken out the part where you have to worry about all the technical stuff like backing up your seed phrase and all that. And so to do that, we, you know, we've come up with a, a secure backup mechanism that is, gets into the technical details, but it really makes it easy for, for it to feel like you're using Coinbase or a, a Coinbase style wallet, but you're still in full control of the keys. I, I thought it was a separate app. I didn't even re- see that's This makes me now want to have a lightning wallet in here as well. Yeah, so that's what that's what we would probably do one day when when lightning gets to the point where we feel comfortable like building something to support it. There's enough demand for that. That's what we would do because this is we've already got the structure set up in there, right? It's kind of cool. So it would be nice here if I could just like transfer from my vault into my single. So you can. Yeah, but I have to. Now you still have to sign with the keys, so you can't just move it because that would break the security. Of no, the no, thing, no. Right? But I like it says receive here, and I, I have to copy the address and I have to go into. Ah, uh, no. There's actually a shortcut. Uh, ah, yes. If you if you want to send from one Casa uh, setup to another, then during the send flow uh, on on the page or the screen where you can you know scan a QR code or put in an address, there's shortcuts for your other Casa wallets. And that'll like automatically paste in the address. Yeah, I've had this and I didn't even realize it was in there. That's brilliant. Okay, that's really really useful to know. Um, yeah, so that's like your poker money. Yeah, it's my poker money. Yeah, well, yeah. not 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 based on how I've been paying the last three months. I've actually put some of that <laughs> into the uh, into the shield. What else? What anything else coming on? Yeah, so from. I mean, from a user-facing feature perspective, we don't really talk a lot about like here's the big things that we're building because we like to make, you know, Surprise. we like to make the the fun announcement once it's ready. Right. But from a overall kind of thematic perspective, what we're working on is just making it as easy as possible for people to uh, secure and use their Bitcoin by securing their private keys, right? And so we look at Bitcoin as it's got these two amazing features that are different than any money before it. One of them is that it has this 21 million hard cap. The other one is that it's digital money that you can actually own. And so the actually own it as digital money part is what we're really interested in as a company. And that's what we think a lot of people miss about Bitcoin when they just buy it to hold it on an exchange or something. So how can we drive that part of the adoption as much as possible, um, because that's how Bitcoin's really going to succeed. Is if both of those two major breakthroughs are really adopted and understood by people around the world. All right, All right we talked a lot about that. So, okay, before we do the closeout, so Jameson, let's talk people through. They set themselves up with Casa. They've got it in place. They've distributed their keys. Still, what are the kind of other things people should be aware of? They should be thinking about. Just because even though you've got this, you still don't want to be place a massive advert. I mean, I have because of what I do, but you don't want to put an advert out there and say, well, I've got a castle wallet now with all my keys distributed. Like you still don't want that. You still don't want someone to to put yourself under well, some certain threats. That's why I've that's geographically. Dis- well, because, I know what you're going to say. So, okay. Let me, let me still say it because I, I want to see if you actually know what I'm going to say. Right. When you are using Casa, there's this interesting thought that we throw around sometimes that like, let's say you've got a home security system. You put a sign outside your door that says, I've got a home security system from ADT or whatever it is. And that actually deters people from coming after you because it makes it harder for them to break into your home. So is there the equivalent of that for a Casa user with Bitcoin? Like it's so hard for you to steal my Bitcoin that I actually want to tell you that I use Casa because that 
keeps you from even going after me in the first place. Right. It's like, don't even bother here because you're no, not going to get it. it. I see what you're saying. So that's that's good for certain public faces. So myself, yeah. Jameson, but I don't want to, a lot of people might secretly hold Bitcoin. So they don't want to say I've got Carter because yeah. you are introducing that. When, when it becomes kind of like commonplace that most people have Bitcoin, that, that's maybe the place. I see what you're saying about me. It's good to say that. I mean, I still... Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. I, I mean, I still don't want somebody come, coming at me, but... Well, this this works if we're talking about $5 wrench attacks where someone is trying to coerce you physically into moving your money. And I also have a recent blog post about that and how that's why, you know, physical separation of keys into access controlled locations is the way to prevent $5 wrench attacks. Now, Ultimately, you know, CASA is a digital security provider, not a physical security provider. So we can't do anything to protect you from uh, a situation like a ransom or hostage situation, right? Like if, if someone you care about is taken and coerced and now, you know, you have, you know, some other uh, reason why you might then want to go around and authorize all the transactions, you know, that's a situation where you really need to think more about the physical security side of things. And I've got plenty of, you know, blog posts about that too, uh, as you're probably aware. Yeah, well, well, I'm aware because I've, you know, I've seen part of your arsenal because I've shot some of your guns. But the the reality, like in the UK, I I can't do that. I have to have a very different. I can have a kitchen knife and a spoon, but I can't I can't have an AR-15. But uh, you know, I get it. I get what you're saying. It's a, that is a different that is a different scenario. Are there? But still, are there certain things like? I mean, we won't cover it all again now because I'll send people to the other shows. But are there like certain basics in terms of like internet security, you know, personal profile that you think people should be? Just be very careful about. I mean, there's a, a good reason why a lot of people in the Bitcoin space are, you know, anonymous. Uh, you know, that's we, we have all these like funny avatars. I mean, we have like a space cat who loves tacos, who, uh, <laughs> you know, is a prominent figure in the community. And, and it, I mean, it all goes back to Satoshi Nakamoto. I mean, this is the originator of understanding that, you know, holding on to a digital bearer asset that is controversial in nature and, you know, may upset very powerful entities, may uh, incentivize very powerful or bad entities to come after you and physically harm you, the best protection against that is to essentially hide and make it so that they, they don't have a target to attack in the first place. So there is this trade-off that I've talked about for a while, especially once I started doing the cataloging of physical attacks against Bitcoiners, which is that it's, it's a catch-22 situation that once you're in the Bitcoin space, you are incentivized to talk about it because you want the network to grow. You want adoption to grow. Uh, that will ultimately be good for you as a Bitcoin holder. It will be good for Bitcoin in general uh, because it makes it stronger against all types of attacks. But the flip side is that you know once you start doing that, or at least if you start doing that uh proselytizing that evangelism with your you know your government name as it were then this opens up a whole bunch of attacks just due to the default lack of privacy that we have right okay well look i'm happy look i, I i'm happy i've got i've got my casa set up and it it was so much easier than i expected and it was like it's such a peace of mind to have it especially you know heading to ball run and I don't have a lot of Bitcoin, but I have enough to know this is worth doing. And I think other people should check it out. Nick, is there anything I've not covered that you wish I'd have asked or covered in this? I don't think so. I mean, I think that the last point you made there is is a really good one about peace of mind. And something that I heard another client of ours say recently was, you know, I've, I've heard people talk about their peace of mind that they get with Casa, but I was just kind of like, yeah, maybe they're exaggerating. But after I, I set it up, it was like a weight was lifted off my shoulders and I no, totally, totally didn't is. expect that. And so it's almost like people underestimate the amount of peace of mind that it gets you once you finally get it set up. No, uh, it totally, there's totally a lot is. of, yeah, it, 
people, I, I, I know personally for me, like before we built Casa, I had a lot of just basic kind of back of my mind anxiety about mm. my Bitcoin. <laughs> and that's just gone totally. Well, that's why I had. That's when I reached out to you. I was like, I know I need to do this. I need to get this sorted. This piece of paper yeah. is going to be the downfall of me and I'm going to be crying. All right. Well, look, brilliant. Look, I'm, I'm glad we're working together. You know, it's a pleasure getting uh, the product set up. Okay. Listen, anyone listening, get your fucking shit together. You're going to hear an advert <laughs> for this as well on the show, which is going to be weird. But um, definitely check out Casa. It's probably my favorite. I think I said recently it's my favorite company in the space. I love what you're doing. The product's amazing. It's, it is very Bitcoin as a product. In um, in It's just got a very Bitcoin feel to it. All right. So if people are interested, Nick, where do they find out more? Yep. So you can go to our website, which is keys.casa, K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. You can also follow us on Twitter at Casa Hoddle, and then you can find me and Jameson on Twitter as well. Yeah, Jameson, tell people where to go and find all your jazz as well. You can check out my website at bitcoin.page or lop.net. They'll both get you to the same place. And my handle on Twitter is just lop, L-O-P-P. Awesome, guys. Well, listen, like, keep it up. Amazing work. Love working with you guys. And hopefully, once this lockdown bullshit's over, we'll actually meet up again soon. Yeah, thanks, Pete. Looking forward to it. Thanks. Okay, so what did you make of that? Did you enjoy that? Did you enjoy hearing about Casa's solution and the different ways to protect your Bitcoin security, the different attack vectors? Look, as I said in the intro, they are a customer, but I am a customer of theirs too. I will be staying a customer once the sponsorship ends. It's been so much peace of mind for me to have this solution set up. <laughs> you know what? There's like this other side issue. Because of the way it's set up, it's actually really difficult to actually move Bitcoin out of it because of the way the keys are distributed. It's an absolute pain. So it just ends up becoming this, like, this long-term saving solution. But yes, I love it. I think cars are great. I've always been a big fan of Jameson. He's been on the shows a bunch of times. Definitely go and check them out. Look, go and review it. And also, if you've got questions, you can reach out to me. You can ask me about my experience. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Happy to talk about it. Happy to tell you what I've been through. And yeah, hope you enjoyed the show. Outside of that, I am chasing down reviews. If you enjoy the show, if you want to help me, a couple of minutes it will take you. Just go over to iTunes, leave me a review. Look, if you think the show's shit and you just want to leave me a one-star review, that's fine. I mean, I hope you don't. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Five-star reviews help, but this all helps with the rankings in iTunes. So a little job over at iTunes, leave me a review, and I will greatly appreciate that. Outside of that, please do go and check out my other show, Defiance. I've completed the four-parter about the ghost inside universally great reviews people really enjoyed it which is super because it was a really personal project but definitely go and check that out it's a four-part story it's absolutely fascinating what that band's been through and outside of that have a great week and i will see you all soon